The reason the market is doing what it's doing is people are sitting at home getting the checks from the government, okay? And this fair share is a bullshit concept. It's just a way of attacking wealthy people. And, you know, I think it's inappropriate. We all got to work together and pull together. Thanks for tuning in. This is Tyler. What up? This is Zach. This is a No Structure Podcast. No Structure. All righty. Welcome to episode 66 of the No Structure Podcast. We have a special guest this week joining us. Well, recurring guest. What's going on, guys? What up, what up? What's up? Uh, so today we're going to be talking a little bit about the uh, the stock market, what's going on with Reddit, uh, kind of the fucking craziness that's happened the last like two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to start by asking, dude. So first of all, the situation has to do with um, GameStop, mm-hmm. AMC, BlackBerry, Nokia. Those are like the four main stocks that have kind of turned into like a meme in a sense Yeah, that is all over the media right now. Do you guys own any of those? Uh, I don't, I did not participate in this little, uh, meme stock run up. I avoided the FOMO. I almost did, but I avoided it. I feel that. Yeah. I got a couple couple shares of, uh, AMC and I invested a little bit, like $50 into Dogecoin, but for Dogcoin or whatever it's called, but I don't know if that's going to pan out. Even though I said Elon did uh, tweet it last night. So (laughs) those ones are weird. The, um, those cryptocurrencies that start like at a fraction of a penny, like it's like a weird, like penny stock type thing, which I mean, I guess you can, you know, come up quite a bit if it just moves up just one cent, which is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. You can double your money on a penny. <laughs> yeah. It's like a psychological thing. Like, yeah. A lot of people might jump in just because it's affordable. Yeah. Uh, I personally have AMC and um, GameStop, but I feel like I'm the type of person when it comes to stock, like I just like action. So I kind of just dabble in a little bit of everything. So and, how much are you down then? <laughs> uh, I don't want to get into figures, but <laughs> but I bought quite a bit. But here's the thing. I actually bought pretty low. I got lucky. So like my uh, losses aren't too crazy. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about the situation that's going on right now with the meme stocks? Oh, man. So there's definitely money to be made on meme stocks. And I'm, I, I've made money on runups like these before. But there's just, you know, there's a thin line between getting in at the right time and riding the wave. And then coming in after it's ran up a bunch and then just getting caught holding the bag, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's definitely, uh, you gotta be either a yellow trade or if you're expecting to lose your money, then I think that's the best way to do it. But if you're putting in a lot of money that you need, I, I think avoiding these kind of trades is the best way. If you want to sustain a long-term growing, uh, profitability in the stock market. Yeah. I think, Honestly, just mess up a stock period. If you don't have the money to do it, stay away. But yeah, you got to have an exit. You got to have an exit strategy on these meme plays. That's what I would have done. I wouldn't have held it longer than a day or two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, we were texting about that like last week and you were telling me, Shane, that, uh, have an exit strategy too, which I clearly just ignored and kept yeah. going. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I agree 100% on that. I just don't think that if you have, if you buy the thing, if you buy the meme stock expecting it to like, change your area code or something <laughs> based on how much money you're going to make. That's going to be, that's a recipe for disaster. And you got to have like a realistic expectation about how high the stock can go or what, where do you feel comfortable taking the most profit? And when it's a meme stock with no underlying fundamentals, like AMC, those haven't been open pretty much this entire year. There's nothing to really base it off of except for hype. So you just got to get in and out. That's, that would have been my strategy. <laughs> I think AMC is actually like the safest one out of all those because AMC's only real issue was debt. Yeah. They weren't making money during the pandemic, obviously, but you know, now they're debt free. Yeah. And their uh, stock is pretty cheap. And it's not like movie theaters are going to go anywhere. I don't think. I mean, I think they're kind of on their way out even before the pandemic. I mean, I like going to the movie theaters, but they're definitely not as they're more of a novelty than actually a growing business at this point. Most people would prefer to watch movies at home. That's true. Yeah, especially when they're making them so accessible, like HBO Max having all those movies coming out. Uh, like, like me personally, I love going to the movies, but I, I don't feel like it's a growing business and it's on its way out. Yeah, I mean, I could see that, but I don't see BlackBerry coming out with new phones that are going to you know mess with Samsung and Apple. I don't see, um, I definitely don't see Nokia coming back. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he is a 5G play. That was the big speculation with that one. But mm, yeah, okay. I mean, I don't believe really any of these stocks. And I don't know, they're meme stocks. So you got to kind of treat them as such. Do you want to explain that what exactly a meme stock is? Because I've, I've seen that term floating around, but I don't really understand what it means by meme stock. So it's basically just an overhyped stock talking about it doesn't really have any true fundamentals to it. And it's just everybody's talking about it. It's just pretty much the flavor of the week. And they're all okay. just, glo- they're all just glorified pump and dumps. I mean, they're all going to get pumped up to a certain level and then everyone's going to cash out and take their profits. I think that that's kind of like the wave that we're going to see in the future though. I really yeah, do. I mean, they've been going on forever. I mean, pump and dumps are not definitely not new. I mean, this whole situation was a lot crazier because there, there was some underlying fundamentals about the short squeeze and all that, but pump and dumps are definitely not a new thing. People are always pumping up stocks to make a quick buck and getting in and out. I don't even mean pumping up stuff. I think that, yeah, that is going to be forever. But I think the, like these meme um, stocks, like an overhyped stock, I think that that's almost going to be the new future. Because if you look at like our generation, we kind of grew up on hype. Mm-hmm. Like we know how to point out hype. We know how to spot hype. We know how to capitalize on hype. And sure. like, even if you take like a, a, a stock like Tesla, like that's low key a meme stock too. Like, yeah, they it can kind of yeah. back it up, but I mean, they reached what, 1500 bucks last year? Mm-hmm. 1500 bucks, bro, for Tesla? Stop. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I like, think that that is kind of like the future where we're going to because our generation is just really good at hyping shit up. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just what we do. Yeah. Tesla is definitely the original meme stock that actually held its value for a long period of time. I mean, it's at like $5,000 right now post split. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I was crazy. Say, one of the most interesting uh, storylines out of this whole uh, AMC thing or GameStop thing was the Elon Musk's involvement in it and just him tweeting and making the, the GameStop stock uh, skyrocket, uh, especially with all the... Didn't he have like a personal issue with the hedge funders over... Mm-hmm. They tried to short Tesla's stock before, right? Yeah, I mean, Somewhere. Tesla was Tesla's one of the most shorted companies ever. And there's actually... I read an article the other day that uh, more people lost money shorting Tesla in 2020 than the entire airline industry. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, I think in order to run a successful company now, you do need to understand how to uh, manipulate the hype, though, because we were just talking about how Tesla's not necessarily uh, supposed to be valued at what it is. And, you know, you see Elon, you know, jumping in every now and then touching like the the mainstream hype thing that's going on. And, you know, his company's going to stay relevant to our generation. Like you might have like the Gen Xers and boomers that are like, no, I need to see numbers. But mm-hmm. our generation is like, no, fuck that. You know, and we got numbers. We got numbers. We got stimulus checks. It's like, but I'm just saying, like, we're all in there like, hey, man, like this guy's cool. Let's fuck with that. No one's looking at papers. No one's looking at sheets. That's weird. Yeah, the uh, underlying fundamentals is definitely taking a backseat to a lot of stuff, but I still think ultimately that's the best sustainable way, even though you can make money in other areas. Like if you stick to fundamentals, you're going to you're going to have a more long longer filled time in the stock market if you stick to those. 100%. I agree with that. Where do you think the market is going to go from here? Like after seeing this situation with uh GameStop, you know, and these other companies and um, now we have, uh, you know, people coming in with writing up legislation, trying to regulate things like th- this is kind of a, a big deal when it comes to the stock market in history. Yeah, for sure. It definitely is. And, uh, man, I don't know. It was a crazy situation. Uh, just like the part I didn't like about it is when it got to the point where everybody was just like angry, like, let's take down the man. And like, I don't know. I thought that, uh, that group of people. <laughs> I mean, I thought that part kind of like took away from the actual point of it. And like people were like down a ton of money and they're like just collectively telling people, let's hold. It's like, dude, you don't need to be like, I mean, you got to be selfish when it's your money. Like who cares what everybody else is doing? If you're down a bunch of money, you should sell and not care about what people are doing to take down the man or whatever. I just thought, I thought when it got to that point, that was, that was bad. Yeah. Well, I was that, uh, maybe even people on like Reddit message boards and things were like undercover people saying, oh, let's take down the man. So that people would hold their stock and, you know, it wouldn't be worth anything after a while. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a huge man. You yeah, like, they, they, like playing into it. Like you can like it started off with Reddit moving it, but people are foolish to think that there wasn't some big money getting into this at, after a few days. You know, it wasn't just Reddit versus the hedge funds. Like that's I just find that really hard to believe. Like there was a lot of big money coming in and, and moving this stock both ways, you know. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy to see people post like, you know, minus $15 million and they're like, hey, man, like, let's, you know, the fight's not over. I'm like, <laughs> bro, $15 million, I would have been gone. $1 million, I would have been out this motherfucker. Shit. Like, gone, right. gone. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if they want to, if they're happy with the amount of money they lost and they're just fighting off a principle, then God bless them. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I would have, <laughs> I would have cashed out and been, I'm, I don't care about the whole, all the other situations, man. I'm just trying to save as much money as I can. Yeah. You guys both brought up a good point just now. Zach, you said, um, people on the Reddit boards were kind of like, uh, there could have been like big money in there, like kind of gassing up the situation. And then, uh, Shane, you just brought up, um, fuck, what did you just bring? <laughs> I just drew a hella big blank. Um, I don't know. You said something that made me uh, trigger this thought, but it was like, oh, you're just talking about big money coming in. Like yeah. you have to be smart to know that big money's not just going to let them like big money's not going to lose money just to fucking lose money. Yeah. Um, but my point that I'm trying to say is that, do you think that there's just in the future, just seeing how there's like a herd mentality right uh-huh. now of like buy GameStop, buy GameStop, blah, blah, blah. Do you think that uh-huh. that's going to be a tactic used in the future? Yeah. I mean, it definitely can be. Um, it's definitely more, uh, feasible of happening now, just based on access that everybody has and technology that, you know, there's manipulation coming from big wigs and hedge funds and stuff, but it's the, the field is definitely getting more leveled with the amount of access and information we have. It's never going to be anywhere near to what they have, but there definitely isn't as much manipulation from the big wigs as there used to be. So I think the field's getting a little bit more even. So in that aspect, yeah, I definitely just when it comes to information. Yeah. Like we, we have a lot more of the control, you know, like you could literally have as much information as the hedge funds, hedge funds for the most part, just by, you know, looking online and reading annual reports and, you know, staying on top of things. But yeah, I was telling Tyler, you can literally look up um, like uh, politicians and big investors. You can look up their investments in public knowledge. There's like a whole, I saw a spreadsheet going out online that you can access and you can actually see where everybody's putting their money. Yeah. And that's, that's also another sketchy thing to me is like, how can we expect there to be major regulation when the people that are going to be voting on these regulations are people that are also in, invested in the stock market? Right. Like it just, it's, it seems shady. Like I don't understand how a politician should be able to have stocks. Like that doesn't make sense to me at all. Mm-hmm. Like Nancy I, Pelosi the other day, like literally like three weeks ago, she bought like a million dollars worth of Tesla stock. Yeah. I think uh, Tesla, Apple, she bought quite a few things. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Like, I think that's a, that should be illegal, man. Or even <laughs> looking back. You know, I mean, you're getting information from the, I mean, like insider information, you know, like, yeah. like a, a perfect example is, um, what was her name? The lady that just lost in Georgia, uh, Kelly Loeffler. Right before the pandemic, you know, they were saying that she had gotten some information that the pandemic was going to be a lot worse than it was and that she sold off a bunch of stock for millions and millions of dollars right before. Yeah, yeah. Or the uh, USPS uh, director guy who had all those stock options and competitor stocks. That's oh, uh, Louis DeJoy. DeJoy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because if you're moving legislation based on your stock picks, like that could easily be manipulated. Like definitely a conflict of interest. Yeah. A super conflict of interest. Yeah. What do you like? Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead Tyler. I was going to say, um, what do you think about cryptocurrencies when it comes to like not being able to be regulated? Do you think that that's something that's going to be a big play in the future? Or do you think that that's kind of like a phase, almost a uh, meme in a sense? Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, that, that specific reason is exactly why I don't invest in crypto. Like I'm one of the few people that's not super into the crypto space. Like I don't I'm, have any crypto either. That's awesome. Like all my friends are super into it and I, like more power to them. If I'll, I'll watch them get rich from the sidelines, but I just, I just don't understand crypto. I don't believe in it. I don't understand the regulations and it's not federally insured like money is. So I just, I don't know. I just don't believe in it. I mean, it's getting more believable now that there's a lot of like, you know, bigger investors getting involved into it. And I don't know. I'm just not, I'm just not interested in crypto as of right now. So I don't, I don't try, I try not to invest in things I don't understand. And I don't understand. There's no, there's no compelling reason that anyone's ever told me to, that is good to invest in it. Like what, what, what's the compelling reason? I don't get it. I saw that. You can't, just because there's no cash, you know, it's like, I don't know. That's just not a good argument to me. Well, it's it's supposed to um, kind of alleviate corruption because everything's traceable and you can't corrupt it and you can't duplicate it. And it's yep. a finite number once all the coins are mined, um, which I mean, all of those sounds great if it were to be like that. Yeah, exactly. That's with a false pretense, like who even knows if that is actually true, you know. It's also hard to tell how it's going to be used in just a regular day-to-day basis because, you know, if you got 
you know, five coins and let's say that they're at 150 grand now, are you really going to use them? You know, <laughs> I don't know, man. You I believe coins? in digital money, but I just think it's going to be digital money in terms of cash and not Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I Interesting though on, on the Bitcoin is I have seen um, some athletes and some other people taking uh, their money from teams and stuff in Bitcoin rather than actual getting a check or getting, you know, regular money. It's yeah, weird. Russell Okun, but yeah, Russell Okun. Yeah. That's but so I weird because if you were to take like, um, so one coin right now is like, well, like almost 40 grand, we'll say it's 40 grand just for the sake of the conversation. Yeah. One coin is 40 grand, but you take like your, you know, your, your paycheck and then your, your one coin is now worth 12,000. Like why, why take that risk right now? When yeah. It's like a, when, it, when it's so volatile. Yeah. The volatility is ridiculous. And that, that's another reason I don't want to buy something that's moving too much. My, my nerves and emotions can't handle those types of swings. <laughs> See, I like the action, but it's just when it gets to, you know, losing, potentially losing like 15, 20 grand, I'm just kind of like, Ooh, maybe yeah, I, need I, mean, that I like the action too, but not, not that level. <laughs> I feel it. Too high speed. Um, I was going to say the only reason I even jumped in that Dodge coin, because I saw, uh, all I saw was little fucking rocket chips everywhere. And everybody was talking about, <laughs> dude, I want to get food, so. <laughs> part of hey, the problem, my dude. I know. Even I know. if you bet it like $1 though. Let me say, let me say though, this is one of the reasons why we actually wanted to, uh, to have you on the podcast. Like Tyler knows a lot more than me about the stock market, but I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to this stuff and definitely been following some of the trends that have been going on lately. Um, really the only success I've had in the stock market was I had bought a couple of weed stocks, which we talked about on here for like $3 a share and they ended up going to like 15 and they're nice. at like 17 now. So, and that was just completely off luck. I did no research or anything, you know, I just like weed. So, <laughs> so that's <laughs> why we wanted to have you on that's here. A good start. Like, more information and also you know kind of dive a little bit deeper into everything that's going on right now yeah i know when it comes to me when it when i choose stock that i want to invest in if i don't really interact with it like in my life at all i probably won't invest in it yeah it kind of shows like how um how secure i guess the company is Mm -hmm. without looking at like you know pe ratios and shit like that or whatever or like their market cap or i don't know whatever yeah, I mean, I think honestly, that's one of the biggest tips I would give new investors is invest in stuff that you actually use and actually know about. It's when you get into trouble, when you're investing in things, when you're trying to outthink yourself and get into sectors that you don't really understand is when you can find yourself in trouble because you don't even really know what you're investing in. And if you invest in Apple because you have an iPhone, you know how to use it. It's like, those are those are the better plays, I think. And you buy a new iPhone every year. You're about yep. to buy a Mac. But like, of course, Apple's probably going to do good because you trust them. You keep going back. Yeah, stick to the companies you you know and you use. Like, keep it simple. That's definitely a huge advice for anybody who's just starting out. Is keep it really simple and don't try to do too much too early because you have plenty of time to learn and just start with a start with a basic strategy and then go from there. So I take it you don't dabble in penny stocks. Um, I have I have made some good money in penny stocks, but um, like those are those are definitely not the best. I feel like. For anybody who's trying to invest in penny stock as a long-term choice is, I think, kind of a fool. Like penny stocks are more for day trading and swing trading and things like that. Like, and like I said, if you're if you're planning to lose the certain amount of money that you put into a penny stock, then I think that's the way you should do it. But if you're just investing in something based on, oh, like you're romanticizing the idea that, oh, this could be the next Tesla, like I think that's stupid. Just buy Tesla. <laughs> You said um, day trading and swing trading. I've never heard the term swing trading. What is that? Oh, swing oh trading. God. Hang on one second. Sorry. Sorry. Swing trading. What is that? So swing trading is actually what I've been doing since I got into the market. And that's what I, I got into the market like right when right when COVID started. And that was a good know, time. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to act like I know everything just because I got in at like the perfect time. But I, it's all I've been doing during COVID. Like I... I I look at stock related stuff pretty much all points of the day. I got furloughed for my job. So I, I've been just, you know, like a lot of people trying to figure out what can I do that's productive while I'm just stuck at home. And that's when the, the height of the pandemic, I was just like, man, what have I always wanted to do, but I just never had time to do. And like a lot of people, you know, you think of the stock market, you always associate it with risk or it's intimidating because you just financially uneducated about the whole sector. And, I had all this time on my hands. So I was like, man, I'm going to really dig into this and not like it'll be like the one productive thing I really want to dig into. And I've pretty much been obsessed with it ever since. And so that's so swing trading doing. is pretty much like just day to day without being like second to second, I guess. 
So yeah, it's 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 not day trading because you know day trading you're basically buying and selling within the same day. Mm-hmm. Swing trading is just playing a lot of momentum and then holding stocks for one to two weeks to up to a couple months. You know, it all depends. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, oh, go ahead. Nice you. Oh, uh, are you going to still ask about swing trading? Because I was going to pivot a little bit here. No bad. Oh, I was just going to ask you, Shane. Um, prior to the pandemic, how much experience did you have in the stock market? Is this something you just decided to pick up one day, or is it something that you had at least some knowledge going into, you know, making this a full time thing? I guess. Uh, I mean, I had general knowledge before, but definitely not the knowledge that I have now. I literally spend like like an embarrassing amount of time. Like it's all I do. I don't watch TV. I, I've only watched. I'm one of the probably the only people ever. I only watched one TV series throughout throughout the whole pandemic. I've just been focusing all my energy on what? stocks. <laughs> what was it? Uh, Ozark. Was oh, the only, nice. That's the only show I watched during the pandemic. And it's a money, uh, it's a money centered TV show anyway. So yeah. And then all the movies I watch now are just stock related movies. So it's just <laughs> like, <laughs> so what is your, what's your goal with this? Are you just trying to make this like your job? Well, so far I've just been, I've been doing it to generate money. And I've been living off of the money. So that also comes with the reason why I've been swing trading because I actually cashed the money out. And then interesting. Oh, actually, before you go further, explain that process because I'm in this phase right now. Like I feel like I've been investing in the stock market for a while. Like my dad, he he really wanted me and my brother to be financially independent. So like pops. Yeah, shout out. So I've learned like the basics for a while, but I never really sell stock to live off of. So like my portfolio is like it's pretty stacked, but it's I don't, I just keep putting it right back in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I've never yeah. had to deal with um, stock taxes. taxes. Yeah. I've never had to deal with any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely think the long-term aspect is always going to be the better aspect for sure. Like that's 99% out of a hundred percent. You're going to, you're definitely going to make more, way more money uh, with a long-term investing mindset than a short-term one. But um, uh, with that being said, uh, I just, I've just been doing short-term just because I've been, following the markets every day. So I feel more on top of it. And then I've also just been, uh, like I said, using the money because I actually been using it to buy stuff, <laughs> pay bills and all that kind of things. But there's there's a lot of downsides to swing trading. Like you said, the taxes and um, uh, swing trading, if you sell a stock under a year, you have to pay short-term capital gains, which is based on your regular income rate. So like how you get a paycheck, that's how much you get taxed uh, mm-hmm. on stocks. And Anything over a year, long-term t- capital gains, it's uh, flat 15%. So you do save a lot of money on taxes by doing short-term versus long-term. And that's also an incentivize incentivizes you to have more of a long-term aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as far as... Oh, go ahead. We're bad at this. Go ahead. You first. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, uh, in terms of the taxes, when you do take your money out, uh, do you don't pay the taxes right then and there, right? You have to assumingly you put some aside until it's tax time, right? It's not yeah. Like they send you like a 1099 or something like that at the end of the tax season based on your uh, gains and losses. And then you pay taxes on your gains. And for the, the capital tax, it's generally 30%, right? For the, if you do it in under a year. Uh, well, it's based on your income, uh, okay. like on your uh, level of, like, so I'm married. So my taxes are a little bit lower because I got the tax break, but so mine's 22%. Um, based on uh, the marriage um, tax bracket. And then, yeah, if I would have held longer than a year, it'd be 15%. So there's a 7% uh, I'm missing out on by uh, saving it or by cashing it out before the long-term capital gains kick in. Gotcha. I still have questions about using your, uh, your profits for daily use, because I would like to get into that more. Um, I guess first question is like, how often do you think you are withdrawing money from your stock portfolios. Uh, you mean just like into my actual bank account? Yeah. Um, uh, not at, honestly, not as much as like, I'm not totally living off my stock money. I'm actually just cashing it out and reinvesting it. Mm-hmm. But cause I'm just trying to build my portfolio is like in a quicker way. I have a pretty big portfolio to be honest with you. So I'm playing with a lot of money and I just, I use a certain amount of per, like small percentages are like, pretty decent gains. So I'm just like securing the profit and then just reinvesting and trying to build my portfolio bigger as I have all this time, you know? Yeah. I guess that was kind of my question. My next question was like, how much of the profit do you just put back in? Because if I was doing the math without you saying the last part, it just sounds like you're taking out, but it's like, 
So what are you putting back in? You know uh, I mean? No, I mean, I'm, I'm mostly reinvesting it. I, I do take some out every once in a while, but yeah, I'm re I'm also reinvesting most of it. I'm just building my portfolio as big as I possibly can, as quick as I can, which isn't always the, like I said, I, I ultimately believe, believe in long-term trading, but mm -hmm. uh, for right now, well, I do both. I have, I have a long-term account. I have two accounts actually. So I swing trade with most of my money and then the rest is in a separate Roth IRA that I use long-term that I don't ever touch. And so I have two that I work with. I might actually do that. Start another account. Yeah, that's that's the best. Because if you have it all in one, then it's going to hinder you from which ones am I really holding and which ones. So I was having trouble with that. So that's when I decided to make two separate ones. Mm -hmm. I like that. Are there any like big stocks right now that you're eyeing? Uh, I mean, so my strategy typically for swing trading, because it's like, I mean, there's a lot of downsides to it. Like I said, there's the taxes aspect of it. It's, you know, trying to trying to uh, time the market, which is nobody can do, you know, and a lot of times you, you miss runups because you're cashing it out all the time. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll, you have to time the market twice. So you got to figure out when to, when to sell and then also when to buy back in. So that's always, that's always kind of stressful because you're, you're so emotional just thinking about that kind of stuff, but it's, it's, it's a struggle, but I don't know. What was the question? <laughs> what was the question? I don't even remember. I was like hearing what you got to say. Um, oh yeah. The, do you have any like targets right now? Um, any companies that you're targeting? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Even no. any, um, any industries that you feel like are good targets for swing trading? So yeah. And another reason what I do to, um, to stay away from like high risk, you know, cause if I'm, if I don't have a long-term aspect, then my money's being cashed out in, in and out a lot. So I, a big strategy to protect myself from like big losses is I only stick to really high quality companies. So that's like a good reason. So it, it protects me if the stock goes down that worst comes to worst, I'm holding Apple or I'm holding Boeing or I'm holding Microsoft. It's like mm -hmm. if I, I can take big risks, swing trading those ones because the worst comes to worst, then I got some fucking Apple stock. Like it's not a terrible thing. So I think that's the best strategy for swing trading, at least for me. And that's what I've been doing. And that's a strategy that's like been working for me for eight or nine months now. Mm -hmm. And like so, that. yeah, I just stick to good companies. And as of right now, in terms of which ones I'm looking at, I think there's a there's a lot of um, a lot of value in the reopening plays, obviously, and um, a lot of those have been running as of late because you know a lot of people don't know about the stock market is it's forward it's forward thinking you know people are always thinking of it as like uh, a reflection of the economy and it's it's really not and like that's what people always get confused about like I remember when the pandemic hit and like COVID was at, at the height and then then the stock market was at all time highs, you know, like that doesn't mm -hmm. make sense. And people, people that didn't understand the stock market and news people and a lot of just random people be like, how could the whole country be shut down right now? And then the stock market be at all time highs. And a lot of it is just people investing. And this is past the crash. So um, like six months into the pandemic, people started buying more stocks because they were looking past COVID they're looking at the vaccines and they're looking at the reopening trades. So that's when the market started moving in the height of the direction. And like right now, as of right now, like the economy is complete shit right now. And the fucking, the stock market is at all time highs today. Like the mm -hmm. S&P 500 hit an all time high. It's never been higher in the history of the stock market today. And that's ridiculous. If you think about what's really going on in the world. I think a lot of people have learned what, um, like during this pandemic, a lot of people have learned not only stock, but they've learned what a discount is. And they've learned like all these secure companies they don't really fail. Like I've never seen a, a huge company just like up and fail. Like they're always going to bail out always. You know what I mean? Actually, yeah. I take that back. I've seen plenty of big companies fail. My bad. But <laughs> like for the most part, they really don't, you know what I mean? Like majority yeah. don't, they're always going to build out. So it's like, worst comes to worst. You buy this company that's, you know, lost 50% value. You're getting it out of 50% off. It's probably going to go back up. Probably. Mm-hmm. Especially if you hear like what you're saying, like if they have vaccines that come out, if there's a little sign of hope, people grasp on that. And yeah. I think a lot of people just, you know, having friend to friend conversation, that's one of the most powerful advertisements saying like, hey, man, right now, this is a low price. This company has never been like this before. You should probably snatch this up. I think there's a lot of that going on, too. Yeah. And you can relate to me on this one. You are the closest to this, but the best trade that I've been doing related to what you're talking about has been Boeing. It's like that's that's that stock has been my bread and butter. I swing traded that thing like 20 times. I believe it. It's just like, cause that one's so volatile, but it's like, 
it's it will never fail because it has government contracts. Like the mm-hmm. government's relying on that uh, particular company for their own needs. So there's no way that it could it could ever go out of business. So I I've bet on that one a ton of times. I actually just sold some yesterday, looking to buy back in eventually. But it's just like it's been one of my best trades throughout the whole pandemic was Boeing. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that Boeing is more than commercial airplanes. Yeah, like that's like that's half maybe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but what you just said, you said betting on it, which makes me think about like the whole GameStop situation and kind of like what me and why me and Zach even wanted to have this talk to begin with, like the shorts, like shorting a company, betting on it to fail, um, or even options when the company's low and you, you know, want it to go up, whatever. Actually, I think a put in a, a put is betting on it to go down, correct? Yes. Yeah. So options, I guess, can work either way. Um, do you dabble in options or shorting or anything at all? No, um, that, that's just like another one of my my rules for myself is um, I, just, I haven't been in the market very long. And I just feel that anybody who wants to take on that type of risk, because those are risky plays for sure. And if you don't understand basics of like stocks, like that's that's a terrible idea to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't think people should get into options, penny stocks, margin, any of that stuff until you've been getting consistent gains for a long period of time or if you want to take the risk of losing because like options you like if you invest in a stock the most you could lose on how much you put in a stock is 100 percent, right mm-hmm. options you can lose an infinite amount of money like yeah. more more than you could ever put in so it's like that's way riskier there's a guy who committed suicide like a few months ago i don't know if you saw that for yeah robin hood guy yeah. yeah it was like 15 million in debt or something like that yeah and <laughs> some options like that should have fucked you up bro if you do that shit wrong yeah especially if you short something because yeah you it just come out like if a stock goes up forever you're like if you're down on a stock you can wait for it to go back but if you're on an option play mm-hmm. those expire at a certain point and you lose everything with interest yeah yeah um yeah i'm glad that you brought up swing trading because <laughs> i don't know why the that strategy never was like really on my mind where it's like you know, you don't have to do this every day. You could, you could play in a week. Mm-hmm. Like I never, I don't know, just it's either very short or very long to me. It's never in between. Yeah. You know what I mean, so I that's, that's interesting. I'm definitely going to look into that more. Yeah. And I have a few strategies I can give you if you want to hear some of them. Hell yeah. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so a big one for me is just learning how to read charts and just okay. like, I mean, it sounds like more technical, but like, like identifying supports and resistances with stocks like, like how high a stock what's that like candlesticks and stuff yeah like seeing where like where a stock consolidates or where where it gets resisted at and where where like uh the support is and you know it can break resistance and it can break support but you can kind of see trends and then you can kind of base it on a um like just familiarizing yourself with um the way the stock's been moving and then you can make educated guesses based on where you see the chart moving and so that's been helpful when I can, when I'm like, all right, I'm going to take a little profit here. And then when it gets to a certain point, maybe I'll buy some more here. And so that that's a good strategy. That's really helped me is just learning how to read basic charts. Before we and, go to the next strategy. So I kind of dabbled in that as well, like trying to read charts and kind of get, you know, the best guesstimate of how to understand that. But where do you go to learn that? Because when I was trying to do that, besides like YouTube and like all these websites, I'm like, I feel like they're missing an intro. <laughs> like all of these are missing the intro part. Like you're, you're going straight into the chart without like giving me any of the backstory. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So where do you go to learn this? Uh, so you can, you can do different parts of the chart. So there's, there's a daily chart you can use and you can see the volume based on the day, or you can do a week chart, month chart, all time chart, like three months. It just all depends. And then, so you kind of just base it on looking at it from different parts of the charts and then kind of piecing it all together and just seeing a good average point of where to buy and where, and it's not a perfect science, obviously, or else I'd be a billionaire, but you can, you can kind of make good estimations based on what you're seeing and, you know, read uh, like patterns. So give me the parts that you're, you're paying attention to. So you can look at what the volume in a day, you can look at the price, mm-hmm. you can look at, um, like, what are the things that you look at? Uh, well, yeah, that's a big one. Volume is huge. Like if there's an ab- abnormal amount of volume, then you can definitely expect for the stock to either move or decline dramatically. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. <laughs> do you set your chart up like daily by the minute, by the week, by the month? How do you, 
What do you uh, use? I, I mean, I just go back and forth and I look at it from different uh, perspectives. And then I'm just always following um, every stock. I'm looking at my watch list constantly and looking at the price points that it's all, it like he- heavily stays at like a big Apple thing for me for the longest for like two months. It would always, it would always um, have support at like 113. So I'd always buy at 113 and then it would move up. And then I would sell out when it got to like 120, 122. And that was usually where the resistance was. And then I, and then it would move back to 113, 112. I'd buy it again. And so I would just keep playing. Like we, a big thing is just keep doing something until it doesn't work, you know? So I got two questions. Um, first question, what do you think about their deal with Kia? Uh, Making uh, a- electric cars. I'm not a big fan of it. <laughs> really? Uh, I liked, I like the idea of them getting in the electric car space, but I just don't understand Kia. <laughs> really? I think South, okay. South Korea, first of all, is one of the most innovative countries in the world right now. Like yeah. ranked, it might be number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think South Korea is like on a whole nother level when it comes to cars. They're really sticking it to like Germans when it comes to luxury. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a good choice, especially because I think that Kia and Hyundai are the only two companies that are going to be able in the future um, give the, I guess the millennial enthusiast kind of person, what they want because millennial enthusiasts don't buy cars new. Like that's Mm -hmm. kind of a fact, but I feel like they're going to be the ones to switch it. That's a whole nother conversation. My second question is, um, so you're talking about resistance and support. Uh So resistance is when a stock goes up or down, it kind of like bounces at that number, right? The resistance, what stops it? Yeah. And then support would be, where it usually levels out at, like where it usually doesn't draw. I mean, it can always break res- uh, support and resistance, but usually there's like a lot of people that have the price at that point where it'll it'll stay above a certain point. Okay. And what are the signs to, to see support and resistance? Because that's one thing for me that is like, I see, I see resistance, I think, and then all of a sudden it shoots past it. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? I thought I just, I saw the line. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it could shoot past it. It's just, it's just, a, it's not like a set. In when stone. I say shoot past it, bro, I'm talking about like, damn, I was wrong, wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like there's, there's something that you see. And I'm just curious what it is. I mean, you just see like the, just like the, the area that it looks like there's a lot of like buying and a lot of, you know, the chart has a lot of green or a lot of red in a specific area. And you can just base it off of that. Like, like I said, it's not a perfect science, but you can kind of see where things are based on the amount of buying and selling at that particular point. So you're constantly comparing the volume to the chart to see like, okay, volume's really high right here. Stock is still going up. Resistance is coming. I'm assuming like, how do you, how do you see that? Uh, I mean, you just got to keep looking at the charts like consecutively. Like it's not, you can't just look at it on one thing. You got to kind of, you got to keep following it. And I'm not super good at it. It's just something. Bro, I need the codes, man. I need the <laughs> It's not, I mean, like I said, I'm a pretty new investor, but it's something that I've been doing um, recently. So it's not, not a set in stone thing. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like following it. Honestly, I just picked the watch list. I, I follow stock, like the specific stocks that I'm looking at. And then I just watch them like like pretty like obsessively you know mm-hmm. um how much do you pay attention to the news when it comes to these particular stocks that you choose like how relevant is that to you uh dude i watch the news all day long because <laughs> it's kind of like three parts where it's like you need to pay attention to the news on the company you kind of have to you know i guess watch the chart and then watch the volume i guess it's kind of like the trifecta i would assume yeah. So I watch CNBC all the time. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's like the, it's the business channel. So it's all stocks. So I have that on all day. I'm constantly on Reddit, which, you know, Reddit is like 80% complete bullshit mm-hmm. <laughs> and like 20, 20% really good due diligence. So you just kind of have to sift through it. And like, I, f- I find a lot of good things on Reddit, but I'm on there like six hours a day, just sifting through like just horrible speculation and, and rocket ships that Camacho is buying off of. <laughs> but you're, uh, let, me, let me ask you real quick though, on, on that note with the Reddit and stuff, um, as far as specific tools for you to gain more knowledge about the market, what kind of tools do you use kind of to understand better what's going on? Or, or at least initially, what did you, 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 you use to learn about the market? Were there specific videos, books, like what kind of things? So yeah, I've just been a complete sponge about everything. And I just, I, like I said, I listen to, or I watch CNBC. So those are like the suits, the, 
the insiders and all like the right. talking head people. So I watched them. I listened to a lot of the Reddit people. I just get a combination of every single thing that I can listen to podcasts. And then I YouTube, I have, I follow a lot of YouTube uh, people. I also have a few stock groups that I'm in. And so I just get all that plethora of information. And then I just make it into my own based on every little small thing that I take from each person. And then that's where I get my data pretty much. Gotcha. Cool. So what, what's one, what, what's one area that people should start at if they're looking to gain more knowledge? Like, is there a specific one that you started with or? Hmm. Uh, yeah, YouTube is good. It's just, there's, there's a lot of shit on YouTube. Just right. like I was gonna say, it feels like there's a lot of like, I don't know, yeah. a lot of separate information out there that I don't know what's really to believe. Yeah. You just have to have a good high bullshit indicator. Like when you're reading Reddit, there's a lot of bullshit on there and it took me a while. Obviously I didn't get it right away. Cause I didn't, I came from learning nothing to feeling like I have a pretty good grasp of what there is, but it, obviously the biggest thing to learn the stock market is honest, honestly, just getting into the market and then seeing how things play out more than just reading about it. You got to just put your money in the market and then see how it goes and learn by trial and error. I do think based off the, um, the pandemic, a lot of people that just started in the pandemic because it was a pretty easy entry at the time because the prices were uh, really low. Yeah. I think that it's giving a lot of people false confidence in their ability to trade. hundred percent. Because everyone for the most part, I mean, is if they held from the beginning of the pandemic, they're green right now, you know? Yeah. Stocks only go up. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, imagine them buying right before the pandemic. Like that's exactly. a greater awakening. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And there's a lot of emotions when you see your money going completely down rather than up. I know <laughs> that's yeah, definitely strategies. Last week, that. my uh, AMC stock was seventeen dollars, <laughs> fucking like six bucks. Yeah. What is yeah. That? So I have some more strategies with that too, because like like you said, I mean, I've been trading in probably the best market I could possibly learn from. So I feel like I've been learning. I've learned a lot of things without actually having to take a lot of losses. So I've definitely matured as I've gone through it and luckily haven't taken any bad losses, but there's some strategies I've learned as I've, you know, continued to do it. And I'm, I'm, this sounds stupid, but I'm kind of excited for the market to get choppier to see if to kind of test the knowledge that I have and see if I can trade through, you know, diversity and volatility that, you know, with the market trending down and see if my strategies work, you know, Mm-hmm. So what is uh what's another strategy that you think that you're you're doing pretty well on? So I I mean like I said I have a pretty decent size account so I I um I keep about thirty to forty percent cash so I'll trade with like sixty percent of my account actively and then I always keep a bunch on the sidelines so if things go really bad then I just buy it again and that also goes into how my strategy is when i buy stocks i i dollar cost average which is like i scale into a company i don't just balls to the wall go all in on something which is what i used to do when i first started i would you know put in a lot more than i wanted to and then you know if it goes down then you're kind of fucked and you just got to wait there mm-hmm. but like so- scaling in and dollar cost averaging is a huge thing that i would definitely recommend to anybody who's even if you're doing long term or if you're trying to do short term things uh, explain that in a little more detail, because I think that that's huge, like, especially when it comes to um, like lowering your average to limit risk, I guess. Yeah. And so, playing yeah. volatility, too. Yeah. Can you talk about the scaling in a little more? So the the big thing that I do, and I just started doing this like about six months ago or maybe less is so I'll, I'll come up with a full position size for how much I want to put into a particular stock. So say if I want to put in like $12,000 into DraftKings or something, then I will split that up three different times and I'll buy it three different times at like 4,000. And so I'll buy the first one. Usually I try to buy it on a red day or if it's, you know, a down day, I'll buy the first one. Then I wait like a few days to a week Hope and hopefully if it goes down, usually I wait like a certain percentage, maybe like five, six percent, then I'll put in another four grand. So then my cost basis is going down. And then if it keeps going down, then I just keep buying more of it, you know. And so when it gets back to green, I can get to green quicker. And then my position size is averaged out rather than buying it one day and then it continues to trend down. Then I gotta wait a long time for it to go back up to where I bought it. Mm-hmm. So that's a big, that's a big one for me. It just helps you play the volatility of the week. If there's a big, big down day, but then it could also work in the reverse. You put in 4,000 and then it goes straight up, up. it goes up. And then that happens to me all the time. And I get fucking pissed. Yeah, (laughs) I'm just like, damn, why didn't I just go full position on this one? But But you went safe though. You didn't lose anything. So, I mean, 
for your strategy, that makes perfect sense. I kind of like their. It's just being disciplined, honestly. And like, there's just so much emotion in it, especially when you're doing it day to day that you just got to have to like have amnesia and not get FOMO and not worry about missing something or just not getting super emotional. Cause that's when you make huge mistakes. FOMO is real. Yeah. I was about to break my PS4 when my fucking AMC was going down. Just <laughs> don't so, get me started. Yeah. <laughs> and that's another thing is like, I always have a plan. So I always put in every scenario that's going to happen before I buy the stock. So whatever happens, um, I've prepared for it. So I don't make emotional decisions. And I'm not saying I don't get emotional because everybody does, but it definitely helps curb it. If you have like time horizon, uh, risk tolerance and, just knowing what you're going to do. If you're going to hold a stock for a year and it goes down a bunch after you bought it, then what are you worried about? You're planning to hold it anyways. So mm-hmm. it just gives you a, gives you an opportunity to buy it at a, at a, a cheaper rate and go shopping. Yeah. That's real. I think I might, uh, I might be more active. Like I, instead of, well, I can't say more active cause I feel like I'm pretty active, but I think I might do like the mid game and just dabble in like, you know, holding a stock for, a week, maybe a couple of days at a time instead of like do it in the day. Cause I have a lot of downtime when it comes to the mornings at times. So I'm just like on that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or else yeah. I'll just buy and just hold it and just forget about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at my stocks all, like pretty much from morning to night. Yeah. That's all I do. Yeah. Taylor's hella annoyed at me talking about this shit. Yeah. So. Let me, uh, let me ask you real quick, Shane, if you could touch on it a little bit. Um, obviously last week in the market was a little crazy. Things were going really fast and things like that. But can you explain how that's not typically how things move in the marketplace? Like the AMC and GameStop kind of is an anomaly on that, but like how things are not as crazy as that. Cause I think a lot of people right now are getting in the stock market because it's an exciting thing to do, but it's not necessarily, I don't know that exciting is the right word, but it, I don't feel like it's something that's exciting all the time. Like it takes a lot of patience and stuff like you said. So can you talk about the difference between that? Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's always times in the market where there is hype and there like, it, it was definitely a rare instance last week with, I mean, just how long it ran GameStop and all that stuff. Like usually that stuff happens, but it only lasts like a day or two and then something will pump up. And then, but like that one was like, it lasted a long time. That was like surprising. But in terms of, I don't know, that, like that kind of hype and stuff that's always going to be going on in the market. And you just got to know what to buy and what not to buy and how to avoid those certain things. Because like if you're chasing those things all the time, you're not going to consistently make money. And the name of the game is like long term uh, consistency. So if you're chasing those kind of stocks and you say you made 10 grand this month, but then you lose eight grand next month, it's like that's just not going to be a way to make a future out of it. You know? Yeah. So, I just uh, wanted you to touch on that just because I think. That sets the expectation for people that not every single week is going to be a GameStop or yeah. a or something like that. So I think that's important for listeners to know as far as like first getting into the marketplace that every day is not going to be like some crazy fucking circus on Reddit. You know? Yeah. I mean, the market's constantly changing, though. The market is like, you know, it's made up of millions of people and all their money's involved. And so when your money's involved, like the stock market is an emotional place. So the market is like driven by trends, hype, fear, optimism, all those things. Yeah. So it's like that's constantly going on. Like the the stock market's an emotional place. So a lot of things, and it doesn't like uncertainty. So a lot of that plays into it. So when the virus, you know, first came out and people didn't understand what was happening, that's when it completely collapsed because nobody knew what to expect. And so, I don't know, just kind of getting comfortable with knowing how emotional everything is, is a huge thing because it's, it's people, you know, people are making these decisions. And when you see your money going up and down, you're going to be emotional no matter who you are. Right. And that's why we go back to what we were saying in the beginning. Don't dabble in the stock market if you ain't got money to fuck with it. <laughs> yeah. Or don't have a solid strategy. Yeah. yeah. Too. Well, I also think it's important to know on that too, that don't invest more than your means. Like don't, I guess what I'm saying is like, you should probably be investing what you're comfortable with losing. Yeah. Not, unless you're knowledgeable and know what you're doing. Like if you're a beginner person, then you should definitely only be playing with money that you're comfortable with losing and not just, jumping in and making these crazy, like putting $15,000 into GameStop. <laughs> yeah. There's a uh, GameStop, man. That was, there was just a ton of greed in that one, man. And that just reminds me of the, uh, the Warren Buffett quote. And that's uh be uh, fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. So when I saw all that greed, man, I was like, I don't want to be a part of this. <laughs> that's a good ass quote. I like that. It is. And it, it really works for me in the market. Like, 
So a big thing that happened to me with the GameStop situation is, I don't know if you were paying attention, Tyler, like the whole rest of the market, did you notice like everything else was down while GameStop, AMC and all these other memes were way yeah. up. Mm-hmm. So I was buying everything else. And then, cause I just, there was big earnings last week. So a lot of these companies were had phenomenal earnings and everybody was like freaked out by the whole meme stock thing. I think it was kind of freaking out the market a little bit. So when everybody was selling out and, you know, hedge funds were taking money out of certain areas to cover their losses or whatever the case was happening last week, that's mm-hmm. when I was buying everything. And then I made a lot of money this last week. Now I was waiting for Amazon to go into 3000. I was fucking <laughs> waiting, bro. It didn't hit there, but I was waiting. <laughs> it was at like 3,100 for like three months. Yeah. I snagged a few, but I was like, bro, I can't. It's just expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like uh, legit, like my savings account, fucking Amazon. Yeah. That's a good savings account right there. Yeah. I also wanted to go back. We t- You talked earlier about sectors and understanding sectors. What is, uh, is there a particular sector do you, that you think beginners should look into as far as like getting their feet wet and getting some experience? Or is it just like picking things that you are knowledgeable about? Or is there like, you know, like a, I don't know how to explain that, but like, is there a, a sector that you would recommend for beginners or is it just something you, they should be picking based on what they're comfortable with? Yeah. I mean, we kind of talked about this, like I said, just like staying with things that you know a lot about. And like, uh, in terms of sectors, I would say, I mean, this is like kind of the most hyped one, but it's also the most uh, prominent one is the technology, you know, and, sure. and Apple, Facebook, Microsoft, those, you can't go wrong with either of those just because, you know, those Amazon, just because those are, those are the companies of the future. Those are the biggest companies in the world. So, and everybody uses all of them. So those are probably, that would probably be the specific sector I would recommend to people that wanted to get into one because everybody knows those ones. Mm-hmm. Right. And those have the best balance sheets. Those are trillion dollar companies. Like it's crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. You can't even picture a billion, bro. And these guys are in the fucking trillions. Like, that's <laughs> yeah, crazy. What? Trillion well, dollar companies. Billion, so it's right like little ass co- uh, countries is what they are. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I would probably just stick with tech, but tech's been high flying the whole year. So. Mm-hmm. What do you think about um, like the the green energy sector when it comes to Biden becoming president? That's a good one. Uh, yeah, I I uh, I heard you on the last one. Uh, I heard you said you bought an ETF. Which one did you get? Did you get ICLN? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you love how I knew that you got that one. Why? <laughs> I don't know. There's like a million of them. You, I I guessed that right off the top, man. <laughs> uh, Reddit boards? No, I'm just saying like. I, I had a feeling that that was the one you got for some reason. Oh, but, I mean, that was just like one of the most, uh, huh? Oh, I thought he was being sarcastic. Like, oh, oh I, just what, I thought so too. Oh no. I'm, I'm just giving myself props for guessing which one you had. Yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, that was like one of the most, uh, talked about one in a while. So I was like, well, yeah. not in a while, but like out of all the ones that I was like looking into, I was like, mm-hmm. Hmm, I mean, I bought it yeah. at like 27 and it's at maybe 30. Now it peaked a little bit, but I'm like, eh, I don't yeah. know. I don't even know if I, I don't know. I'm gonna keep it, but. Yeah, I bought that one at like 18. Oh, uh, did you? Yeah, I've had that one for a while. But yeah, I mean, that whole energy sector, it was running for a while. But then it was like, as soon as he got elected, then it kind of like hasn't done much. Yeah. But I definitely think it's the future for sure. But it's just, I don't know. I I, I, I believe in green energy. I think that's where it's going. But I don't I think know. I might pull out and just kind of dabble in some other shit. I want yeah, I bit, think it might go cool more action. for a while. It's been running for like straight up and online for six months. So. It's definitely due for a pullback or cool off period, which it's already been in kind of. Yeah, it's been pretty stagnant. Yeah, right around 30. Yeah. Yeah, let me ask you to kind of going back to the sector thing again. What uh, and kind of off of Tyler's question, what sectors do you see doing well under Biden? I mean, obviously, like the green energy one, because he's pulling out of deals. I would think that like the weed sector would be a pretty good one to invest in right now, just because everything is probably going to get legalized, right? Yeah, I mean that's definitely the speculation that uh, weed, weed, and um, uh, green energy are the the two sectors to look at. And actually, a a big my the biggest sector I'm actually looking at into well, I own a lot of, but I think is going to boom this year is the uh, sports gambling spec uh, sector. Interesting. Okay. Why do you like, say that? Are they going to be? Because they're legalizing it everywhere. They just legalized mm-hmm. some in Michigan like two weeks ago and Pennsylvania. So states are legalizing sports betting. And I honestly, like, not to get political, but, you know, a big, uh, big thing that could happen to, um, like, mitigate all these states losing money would be to have sports betting and weed legalization. Yep. Like, those two things could seriously, like, save every state from the COVID insufficiency of money that every state has, you know? 
I remember I went to download DraftKings like a while ago. Like it was a few years back. Mm-hmm. And it said Washington was one of the states that you couldn't online gamble. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, it's not. Like, what if I'm a resident yet. of Nevada and I just happen to have my phone in my hand? You know what I mean? Like, am I still not allowed to do it because I'm in Washington? Yeah, it's definitely state by state. But like, yeah. it's so weird. I know, like, let I me do what the fuck I want to do. I'm not hurting nobody. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah. I, but I think it's going to be the trending in the legalization way. So I'm definitely on thing. I mean, and everybody loves the sports gamble. Everybody loves sports. So I think mm-hmm. it's a huge sector and it's already it's gone not, up a ton. And yeah, it's not going to go away anytime soon. So we're just going to abolish sports tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, it's a growing industry. It's only going to get bigger. And clearly yeah. it's res- our uh, pandemic proof. Yeah. Put that bitch in a bubble real fast and keep playing. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you got to look at companies, a lot of, um, and another big tip for people is, well, once you get more like, involved in the stock market and you want to take a little bit more risk, you got to think about companies that are, have a lot of room to grow. Cause like you're going to, those are the companies you're going to make the most amount of money on and can get a substantial amount. Cause you're not, no one's going to get rich from buying Apple. Apple's already grown so much, you know, mm-hmm. you got to find the next growth company that's going to has a ton of room to move and mature and have guidance and evolve into like a bigger and better company. Apple only can grow so much. You can only get bigger to bigger than $2 trillion, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I completely agree with you, but finding that is how, how? <laughs> yeah. <what> I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, just like I'm saying, just like you got to kind of figure out what the next trend is. And uh, that's, that's my prediction. I think sports betting, and I'm not saying sports betting is going to get as big as Apple, but I, I think it has a lot of room to grow. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I was going to say that too, also like maybe thinking outside of the box, as far as investing too, like, for example, like the, I keep going back to the weed stuff, but like with the weed, there's supply chain distribution too. Like, maybe thinking about some other ways that not just actually the manufacturing of weed, but like who's transporting it, who's, you know, buying all these companies and stuff too. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely goes with the EV space too. It's like a lot of people are looking at electric vehicles, but you could also look at the people that are making the batteries and things right. like in the same situation you're talking about with weed. Yeah. You can think of the people that are also involved with, and like Boeing, going back to Boeing, a big one that is kind of related to that. Sorry, I'm all over the place, but like no, Boeing is one of my favorite stocks, but then also Spirit Aerosystems, like they make the parts for Boeing and mm-hmm. Airbus. So that's a big stock too. So you, yeah, like you said, that's a, a good point. Think of the underlying companies that are part of the big companies. And I do that a lot too. I was talking to I Zach about say- this. I was talking to Zach about this. My dad, he always used to tell me, he's like, uh, instead of like investing in the diamonds, invest in the shovels to get to the diamonds. Yeah. I like that. It's smart. Yeah. yeah I was just going to say, I thought you said spirit airlines. I don't know. Spirit <laughs> aerosystems. They, uh, they make parts for planes. Hey, that's what I first thought back in the day. I was like, wait, like spirit airlines. <laughs> yeah. I've been on spirit airline. I was like, Oh yeah. You were on that one. Camacho. Weren't you on that flight with me? Oh, that's the worst airline ever. I wait, was grown. that the one when we went to, to Vegas? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this guy Robbie was sending me shots from like four rows back. I was like, bro, I don't even know what's in that vodka. <laughs> like, it was honestly, like a, it was like a ninety nine. It was like a ninety nine dollar flight, but then you had to pay for everything. So then it was like more yeah. than a Delta flight at the end of it, and then it was all yeah. shitty. <laughs> yeah, they they trick you a lot. Like you have to pay for a check bag if you have more than one check bag. Um, if you don't check in online and you go to the counter to check in, they charge you a ten dollar check in fee. Like they have a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, they you had to pay for your seat. Like there was a seat charge, and then it was just like, yeah. Wow. I went to the bathroom. I had to give a guy a five. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> I had to give a guy a hand job. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> I, will, I don't care if it's $100 extra to fly. I'll never fly in that shit again. Yeah. Bro, Delta and Alaska. That's it, bro. That's it. Yep. Domestic, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I flew Frontier last time, and that was pretty all right. Frontier is a Alaska variant. Frontier oh. Horizon. Oh, is it? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Um, yeah. Um, Wrap this up. Did you guys have any takeaways from anything from that we talked about today? Oh, I was just going to ask, uh, what do we got? I know this is going to be coming out on Monday, but uh, who we got in the Super Bowl this weekend? Hmm. Probably the we were talking about uh, gambling on sports. I'm going to say Tampa Bay, bro. I know. I don't really want to bet against Tom Brady, but uh, yeah. I, don't know, I, don't really, I don't really like either team, so whatever. Same here. Yeah, but, I, I mean, think I'm going to have to. I wouldn't Tom, be surprised Tom if Brady did it. That's that's my assumption. Like, I just wouldn't be surprised if Brady won. Yeah, I mean, I've hated Tom Brady, but like, I kind of am rooting for him now just because he's like forty three and now he went to a different team. I, I think it's kind of it would be kind of cool if he did win, even though I've never really been a fan recently. So, 
Right. I mean, he, he doesn't pay my pocket, so I don't give a fuck, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, ultimately, I don't care. I just think it'd be yeah. kind of cool if a 43-year-old guy fucking stuck it to Bel- Bill Belichick and he went and won a Super Bowl in the fucking Tampa Bay. And I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a storyline I'm looking forward to most. It's just that uh, he's proving that he's not just a system QB and that the Patriots didn't like make him the quarterback that he was. Sure, they had involvement in doing that, but... That's true. His know. legacy low-key needs that. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, he's kind of already needed. I mean, he already got to the Super Bowl, so I mean, he gets some credit for that. That's true. But, Very true. Yeah, you got to win it. Yeah. I did want to say one thing too. Uh, you said that the S and P today was the highest it's ever been. Yeah. All now Don can't Don can't uh, take uh, take credit for that one, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking orange fuck. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was like that was the one thing I liked about Donald Trump is when he used to talk about the stock market. I'd always get pumped because <laughs> it would go up. Uh, yeah, I mean, just because like to me, he seemed like he cared so much about it, and I was like, I, that just meant a lot to me because you know, I'm 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 putting money into it every day. So it's like the very small one thing I liked about Donald Trump. I'm like, yeah, talk about the stock market, <laughs> talk about how <laughs> it's the best ever. Yeah, yeah, like I'm brag sure. about it. So then people buy more, and then my my stocks go up. So that was just me selfishly trying to profit off of Donald Trump. But <laughs> I feel that that was, one that was the only thing. My takeaway from this conversation is that tomorrow I'm about to sell a lot of stock and redo my whole strategy because I like your strategy and I feel like I have um, some concepts in place that I want to exercise, I guess. And I just never really dabbled like this before, but I think I would do well because I mean, I've done it um, at a faster rate. Mm -hmm. So I don't see me giving me more time. I just don't understand how that would be negative, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how this plays out. So thank you for uh, bringing to my attention swing trading. Yeah, of course, man. And like I said, just stick yeah. to the solid companies and you'll be you won't lose. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, you kind of just covered it, but uh, do you have any tips or tricks or anything or like maybe some uh, material that people can look up if they're you know trying to get more involved in the stock market? Uh, like I said, just just don't get all of your information from one source. And this should, this should be everyone's, you know, <laughs> philosophy for everything <laughs> is don't just get everything from one area and get a combination of a widespread of information and then just formulate your own idea, put it, put your tests or put your ideas to test and then just kind of work from it from there. And just right. everybody should get into the stock market. That's what I realized. Not saying that they should put all their money, but I feel like it's like the most like, uh, the thing that people are like most intimidated by, but th- they could actually benefit from if they actually took the time to learn. And I feel like it's kind of like a secret thing that's been going on that a lot of like the higher ups have been keeping away from the everyday man. And now that we have access to a lot more apps and everyday knowledge, we can start to build our own wealth, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. With right. that. You don't have to give us the answer to this if you don't want to, but what was the, the worst day for you in the stock market during the, the Corona, like as far as losses? Was it uh, yeah, I, would, uh, I I bought a um, I bought a cloud company, Snowflake. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, mm-hmm. but um, Warren Buffett involved. Uh, Warren Buffett got involved in it, and so I bought an IPO. You, IPO is like when it first gets mm-hmm. onto the market, you know. So it was super hyped up, and so I bought it, and then it started tanking as soon as I bought it. And I was just, this was just, this was the big problem for FOMO for me. This is the one time I got FOMO and I, I avoided all my strategies and everything I've ever done. And I just, ch- I chased this stock and I bought it like as soon as it debuted on the stock market. And a lot of insiders were buying it before it hit the stock market. So as mm-hmm. soon as it opened, then people just started selling it. And so I panicked and I sold out and I took a $5,000 loss right there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's so. enough to get me emotional for sure. And the thing, and, and the thing about it was, like, I got emotional, and if I would have just held that stock, I wouldn't. I would have got my money back in like a month. But I just freaked out, and it was like it was the dumbest thing I ever do- I've ever done. But I don't mess with IPOs, period, because yeah. I feel like they're all overhyped, and people have too much um, pre market access. So I'm like, mm, I'm good, hundred percent, and that's what IPO stands for. It's probably overpriced. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What it actually stands for is uh, what is it initial. Uh, what is that? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like what it's, what the company first comes out yeah. when they're big, right? But yeah, I remember was, Snapchat was a really bad one. How it like was really high initially and just dropped. Like, yep, pretty much. Immediately. Yeah, that was my one mistake in the market. And aside from that, I still made seventy percent last year, so it was still good. That's what's up. Nice, yeah. nice. So and and uh, like I say, 
like I said to people who lose money in the stock market, it's fucking it's tuition, man. You're paying to learn. So <laughs> that is real as fuck. Like that like, should be like the biggest takeaway of this whole conversation. Yeah. Damn, I, I like that. I fuck with that a lot. I think that's mm-hmm. a good way of putting the stock market is uh, you're investing into your your knowledge. And yeah. if you make a mistake, and, you make a mistake, you're paying for the knowledge to not make that mistake again. And that's what I've learned and that's what I took from it. And I've been successful ever since. And I'm going to make more mistakes and I'm cognizant of that. And I'm going to continue to make mistakes, but hopefully make more wins than I do mistakes. Yeah. I'm definitely going to tell my kids that one too. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That might actually have to, we might have to cut that out and make that a clip for Instagram. Cause I think that's, uh, that's wonderful advice. Yeah. But I've had a lot of wins too. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, you have, uh, want to give any shout outs before we get out of here? Uh, now just, um, like I said, everybody should try getting in the market, dabble in it. And I love talking stocks with anybody. So if anybody wants to hit me up, um, message me on my Instagram at the Shane Haley. We can talk stocks. I like listening to everybody. I don't have like this condescending attitude. Like I know more than anybody, obviously I'm a newbie as well. So I just like bouncing ideas off anybody. So even if you guys want to talk about it, it's like all I do, all I like. So I just like talking stocks with everybody. Hell yeah. Yeah. We should, uh, we should get a little stock group chat going. Yeah. It's fun. So, uh, Ty, you have any shout outs for this week you want to give out? Uh, shout out to our guests. I mean, thanks for coming through Shane. I'm yeah. always love talking to you. <laughs> thanks man. Yeah. I was going to say, obviously shout out to you, Shane. And then also, uh, just shout out to anybody. I think we talked about it at the beginning of this, but anybody pivoting and trying to find a new way to make income or something new out of this pandemic, shout out to anybody that's been, been trying to find a new either creative path or financial path or whatever, just shout out to anybody that's, you know, taking the time, like you said, to invest in themselves and to, uh, try to make a better future for themselves. I think it's really dope. Yeah. Yep. There's always only fans too. Yep. The yeah. tick ticker symbol only. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. So just to, to wrap this up, uh, episode sixty six. That was our guest Shane. Uh, you said you could find you at the Shane Haley on Instagram. Instagram. Yep, and at Shane Haley on Twitter. Follow me. <laughs> oh yeah, on Twitter too. Yeah, and if you're not following us on Instagram, it's the No Structure Podcast. Uh, Twitter's No Structure Pod One. Mondays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And then no structure podcast, the no structure podcast.com for uh, everything no structured. Awesome. Thanks, yeah, guys. Appreciate, appreciate the combo. Yeah, appreciate you coming on, taking the time, and also for being on camera because I know how much you hate doing the camera stuff. So, I do. no, you Man. prefer to be behind it for the boss. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs>